Hello everyone and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It is a day late, but we're coming at you with a new episode. Um, and this one's going to be a fun one because it was something I really had to learn kind of from the ground up. So basically, today we were talking about Joel Salatin and Polyface Farm. So Joel Salatin is this man, he's a very kind of eccentric farmer who does a lot of regenerative farming practices and has written a bunch of books and stuff like that. And he runs a place called Polyface Farm, which is implementing these regenerative techniques and there's tours and, you know, a bunch of different things. So anyway, I, a couple weeks ago on my YouTube channel, which if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, I would highly recommend to go subscribe to. It is called Semi-Homesteading with Abby. So um, maybe I'll link it in the show notes because that would always be good. But basically, I was taking this quiz on as a YouTube video talking about, like, what kind of a homesteader are you? And one of the questions was, if you could have any dinner guest over, you know, who would it be? I chose Ina Garden because, you know, the cooking and stuff and a lot, large part of my YouTube channel has been like cooking and learning new skills kind of in the kitchen. And I said, oh, you know, Joel Salatin was an option. And I said, I didn't really, you know, know who that was. And someone left a comment on my YouTube channel and said, girl, like you gotta learn about Joel Salatin because he is basically like the father of homesteading. Like he does all these great techniques and he's just very knowledgeable. Like you should definitely, you know, read his books and, and research him and stuff. And so that is what I did. That's when I decided that this week's podcast episode uh, would be. So we're going to dive into him, his life, his work, his books, you know, kind of controversial takes he has and, and things like that. Um, but he has been on the Joe Rogan experience a couple times. So I listened to one of his podcast episodes and he's very, a very fascinating man. Like he is a super, you know, libertarian, but also an environmentalist. He could describe himself as a Christian libertarian environmentalist, capitalist lunatic farmer. <laughs> so that is who we're diving into today. But before that, I want to just give like a little quick life update because a lot of things have happened since we last podcasted. So thought it would just be fun to sprinkle in a little life update because this weekend I had my baby shower. So it was quite the affair. We had a tea party. So, you know, my closest friends and family and everything had this big tea party at this hotel in Denver. And it was so adorable, so cute. They fully did like the finger sandwiches and pastries and we played games and it was just so fun. And this was like the first time that I feel like I wore comfortable clothes to an event like this. I wore this like maxi dress, this floral maxi dress that I felt really comfortable in, really good. I can move. I, I, you know, sometimes I feel like with these more dressy clothes and dressy events, it's like you wear these uncomfortable things that are just so impractical. And the whole time you're trying to adjust yourself and, you know, stay proper and whatever and look good. But I was so comfortable. It was like the best baby shower ever. I was... It was amazing. So that was really fun. My um, husband's family, well, the the gals of the family, so his sisters and mom, 
flew in and stayed with us. So that was really fun. Then we did like a whole weekend just kind of sightseeing, I guess. Well, maybe not the whole weekend sightseeing, but we did one day of going to Colorado Springs and they did a hike around Garden of the Gods. And then we went to lunch and saw um, the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo here, which is like this zoo that's kind of embedded into the mountain. So it was really nice. We spent Easter with my family. So it was just a packed, packed weekend of very fun celebratory events. It was amazing. And then I think, yeah, I don't think we had had it done the last time I podcasted, but we got the baby's room all pretty much ready to go. So the only thing we're waiting on is the crib, which is on back order, but we got the wallpaper all set, which was very hard. Pro tip on the wallpaper, if you are going to do wallpaper, don't get the peel and stick because as soon as you stick it on the wall, it's on there. And then you have to like peel it off and put it back on and all this stuff. You want to get this stuff with the paste because you can, you know, paste it and then adjust it a little bit, like shift it around once it's on the wall. With peel and stick, you're not doing that. So it was very hard to line up and there are definitely a few wrinkles in the wallpaper on the wall, but it overall, I think, turned out really, really cute. We're doing a Paddington theme. So we got this, you know, I'm so patriotic like America that it's funny that we're doing like an England um, themed room. So I don't really know how that happened, but we are like obsessed with the movie Paddington. I think it's the best movie. So um, I got wallpaper that has like a little dog, like a little kid running with a dog jumping on him and double decker buses. And it's kind of like vaguely London themed. So I'm really happy how it turned out and the room just looks amazing. So all we're waiting on is the crib. Then I got a bunch of stuff obviously from the baby shower. So now I'm organizing all the stuff that we got and going to go fill in the gaps for any of the stuff on the registry that we did not get. But I was kind of overwhelmed by how much people got me and people are just very excited. So I'm super thankful and grateful for like all the friends and family in my life that have just showered us with things for this baby. So Everyone was very excited and it was just a, an amazing, amazing weekend, but very busy, you know, getting ready for it all. And so that's why there was no podcast last week because we were just prepping the house to have our first guests over and well, to stay the night and stuff, getting ready for the shower and all of that stuff. So anyway, that is our little life update and Without further ado, let's jump into the actual topic of the podcast, which is learning all about Joel Salatin. If you have read his books or listened to any of his stuff, let me know in the comments below. I'll put a poll on Spotify with the Spotify for Podcasters um, you know, feature. I'll put a poll there if you have ever heard of him or read his books or whatever, because, you know, I think there's like more controversy around him than maybe is necessary because he just seems like very much like he would be kind of on everyone's side where he wants to preserve the environment and really do what's best for animals and stuff. So it's interesting that there's controversy around him, but there seems to be. So if you are familiar with him or any of the controversies, uh, let me know and drop it in the podcast poll below. Also, if you <laughs> notice that my audio is different, from other weeks. 
in the chaos of cleaning like the entire house and decluttering everything, I somehow misplaced my actual podcast mic, like my little portable one that I plug into my phone. So I'm using wired headphones currently. So I'm hoping it sounds decent, but we'll be back to the, the mic next week. I'm sure it'll show up. I feel like I've looked everywhere, but I know that it's somewhere in this house and I threw it in a random spot and in the chaos of having guests over and stuff, I, I don't know where I put it. So I'm hoping that it'll, the audio will be back to normal next week. So that's all. Let's get into the episode. So I really decided, I mean, I already kind of went over why I decided to do this research because someone let me know on my YouTube channel that this is a guy that I should know about. He's like considered the father of homesteading and a lot of homesteaders read his books and help, you know, kind of form their regenerative farming or just better farming practices, better animal husbandry practices off of his uh, books and his philosophy and his guidance. So this is a very influential guy in the in the realm of homesteading. So that's why I really was interested because if you're new to the podcast or new to, you know, listening to me, um, basically I live on about three acres, but we were in a, a neighborhood with an HOA. So, but I'm really interested in homesteading. So it's not like I can have a huge homestead, a fully running farm or homestead here in the suburbs. Um, but I'm interested in getting as close to that as possible, as close to becoming self-sufficient as possible. You know, I want to, if things hit the fan, be able to survive for a little while. Like I feel like I'm kind of on the, (laughs) on the verge of becoming a prepper, honestly, because you know, I want to learn how to store things and preserve food and dehydrate food and have like a stockpile kind of <clears throat> pantry, but also, you know, make things from scratch and have a garden that is is good and have like a an indoor grower that can kind of grow year round and get solar panels and all these things that would make us more self-sufficient and more um, able to live off the land, even in just a small even with just a small amount of land. So um, that is basically, you know, this man, Joel Salatin, is very influential in that whole world. So that is why I wanted to learn about him. So let's talk a little bit about who this guy is. So I went to his website as the first, you know, source because the best place to start is how he describes himself. So he is 65 years old. And he's been in the public public arena for quite some time. He has many published books. And he is, so he's, yeah, he's 65 years old. He describes himself as a Christian, libertarian, environment, environmentalist, capitalist, lunatic farmer. And you really get those vibes when he goes on Joe Rogan because he's like talking about, you know, he he wants all drugs to be legalized. But then he's talking about how these practices are so much better for the environment. And, but then he's also like a capitalist. And he's a very interesting mix of 
all these things. He talks about his Christian faith. So, so he really, I mean, that moniker seems to really suit him from what I've seen. So some people, uh, you know, I mentioned some of the controversies around him. Lots of people love him and it feels like the vast majority of people who are like homesteaders really love him, but some people hate him and he has been called a bioterrorist, typhoid Mary, a charlatan, and a starvation advocate. And I think where these come from, especially the starvation advocate, is some like industrial farmers and ranchers and stuff feel like his methods are impractical to scale. Like you have to use way more land to grow the same amount of food. He argued against that on the Joe Rogan episodes. He said it would take a lot more people to kind of man the farms um, his way, but you wouldn't need more acreage to feed the population because one of the big things is like you can't feed the world on these regenerative farms. You need some of these efficiencies that have been put in place by industrial farming. And he says, no, that's actually not true, but you would need a lot more people. So the, it seems like most of the criticism against him is about that. Like this is impractical to scale up. So he has a multi-generational family farm, which we'll get into about how he kind of acquired that farm and stuff in his um, path to owning Polyface Farms. But this is what, from his website, what um, one of the quotes was. It says, his wide-ranging topics include nitty-gritty how-to for profitable regenerative farming, as well as cultural philosophy like orthodoxy versus heresy. A wordsmith and master communicator, he moves audiences from laughs one minute to tears the next, from frustration to hopelessness or hopefulness. Often receiving standing ovations, he prefers the word performance rather than presentation to describe his lectures. His favorite activity, Q&A. I love the interaction, he says. So he also goes around and speaks at many, many different places, um, mostly, I think, about farming and regenerative stuff, but about a wide variety of things. So he, you know, loves to make speeches and performances and stuff. So his farm, Polyface Farm, is in Swoop, Virginia, and the farm services over 5,000 families. Um, they also supply about 50 restaurants and 10 different refill, retail outlets, and then they also sell to a farmer's market. Um, he, a lot of times, is a guest on podcasts. Like I mentioned, he was on Joe Rogan. But a lot of podcasts that specifically target, like, preppers, homesteaders, and foodies, it says. And he also hosts his own podcast with Dr. Sina McAuliffe called Beyond Labels. And they wrote a book together as well. So he goes more in-depth on that podcast. And uh, so a lot of people listen to him there. And then he also, again, has uh, many books. Okay, then I went to his Wikipedia and that gave more of like a backstory on how he actually kind of acquired his farm and stuff like that. So basically his father worked for a petroleum company and used that money to buy a thousand acre farm in Venezuela. So for years they had this farm and then they eventually left Venezuela in 1959 because this new man Romulo Betancourt was elected president and he instituted a program that would redistribute land. So his land was basically going to be taken away. So they left Venezuela and they purchased a farm in Shenandoah Valley in 1961 and began restoring it. 
So that is where Polyface Farms comes from. That is the farm that they, that is now Polyface Farms in the Shenandoah Valley. So this farm has been in the family since 1961. And when Joel was in high school, he began his own business in the high school selling rabbits, eggs, butter, and chicken from his farm at the Staunton Curb Market. So he was like an entrepreneur from the beginning and he helped use, I mean, he used the farm, you know, as kind of a launching point for his high school business. He then attended Bob Jones University and he majored in English. He graduated in 1979 and actually his kind of path to become a farmer was interesting because he did want to be a writer and he was a writer for a decent amount of time. So he married his childhood sweetheart in 1980 and he became a feature writer at the News Leader in Staunton, Virginia. So eventually um, he made the switch from writing to farming full time. He wasn't like thrilled being a writer and I mean, it sounded like he was really good at it, but he decided to just try something new and tried to farm full time. So his farm, after I'm assuming a couple years, uh, began to make a profit because he was revising his organic farming techniques. So he pretty much started trying to focus on these organic techniques and it took him a little while to refine them and revise them, but eventually his farm started making a profit and it grosses about 350, it it was grossing $350,000. So that's a really good start because, you know, Some of these very industrial farms gross a lot, but they're also kind of destroying the land with his monocrop things and the soil can't retain water and stuff like this. So he was always focused on this organic farming technique and he began to to make a profit, which was which was good for his livelihood. Um, He often criticizes the government because he doesn't like the, the. approach to farming has been increasingly regulatory as time has gone on. So there's all these regulations. And like he was saying, he's like a libertarian. So he does not want these regulations. Um, But now he really focuses on how to maximize production on a holistic farm. He's seen as one of the most innovative farmers there is. So, um, you know, one of his things is that he promotes pasture grazed livestock so he'll take cows and put them in a pasture for x amount of time and then so he has cows and chickens is like i think most of what's on his farm but he will let the cows free you know pasture graze instead of feeding them like the standard hay or feed for cows he'll let them graze the pasture eat the grass then he'll move them to another pasture and he'll bring in the chickens behind them. And the chickens will eat all the larvae from the cow manure and also then poop on the same field. And that fertilizes everything. So that fertilizes the field next, makes the grass grow better. So then when the cows come back to that pasture and get rotated back in, you know, all the nutrients are there, the soil's good. So it's like this whole, he's very focused on the life cycle of the plants and the life and death and decomposition and fertilization of, of all of his land. So that's like some of the, you know, idea for his philosophy around some of this stuff 
is just as natural as it can be, that's what he wants. Because he was talking a lot on Joe Rogan about how these industrial farms are like, you know, breeding grounds for, uh, what do they call Like basically ailments. So they're giving the cows antibiotics because they're sick. Um, they're, they're having to compensate with like all these things because having animals in such cramped quarters just breeds like all this disease and stuff. So you don't have to do that when you're doing these kind of natural, innovative, organic processes on your farm. Okay, so let's see the other things. He's the editor currently for the Stockman Grass Farmer, which is a monthly agricultural magazine. His farm was featured in the documentaries Food, Inc. and Fresh. I think both of them are on Netflix, so I would like to watch some of those. I think I've definitely seen Food, Inc. Um, being advertised. He also has a blog called thelunaticfarmer.com slash blog. And it's kind of interesting, too, because he refuses to send any of his food to locations beyond a four-hour drive from his farm. So obviously he has this famous farm. Lots of people in the homesteading community know him. People want the meat from his farm. But he refuses to send any food beyond a four-hour drive from his farm because, and this is his quote, we want prospective customers to find farms in their areas and keep the money in their own community, he said. We think there is strength in decentralization and spreading out rather than being concentrated and centralized. So again, a very like libertarian, you know, local viewpoint. So he's like, no, we're not going to send it. I assumed it at first it was because of the freshness of the meat. Like I know um, In-N-Out, for example, will not build an In-N-Out location that's more than like, I don't know, four or six hours or something away from their meat processing plant. I thought because of the freshness, and I do think that's why In-N-Out does it, so I assumed that that was why Polyface Farms does it, but it's more of a philosophical kind of ideological thing where, like, you should be supporting your own local farms, so go support your own local farms, basically. So, interesting. I liked that because it's probably, they're probably giving up a decent amount of money uh, with that kind of philosophical rule, but I think it's, like, it's a noble cause. So, um... Okay, his philosophy is that emphasizes that healthy grass, um, well, his, his whole philosophy centers on the healthy grass that animals eat so they can have a nice symbiotic cycle of feeding. So as I said, cows get rotated around pastures instead of being centrally corn fed. Then chickens are put in portable coops and they're moved in behind the cows to eat the cow dung and the fly larvae and fertilize the field more. And, you know, so those are the, the regenerative some of the regenerative techniques that he is, um, doing. Okay. There was some controversy that he had in March of 2020, right during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it says, so I, I basically just copied in the entire thing of controversy because I wasn't sure if I would, uh, summarize it correctly, basically. So I'm just going to read this snippet from an article to explain what this controversy was in COVID times. He said that on his website, Salatin declared he wanted he wanted coronavirus. Salatin was widely condemned for his comments by the public and peers. So that's like one of them because he basically, when COVID started, he is a big believer in the immune system and the ability to fight it off and strengthen your immune system. So he's like, 
hey, every, he talked about this on Joe Rogan too. He said, hey, everyone who wants to come out and like walk around in the fields and the cow manures and stuff and the cow troughs and whatever, barefoot, you know, get yourself exposed to all these germs to start building your immune system because, you know, you want a strong immune system if you're going to get COVID. So, you know, he's seen as very woo woo for all of that. But, um, so that was one controversy that he said, like, I want he wanted COVID because I think basically he has very strong beliefs that his immune system could fight it off. Um, then there was another controversy in November of 2019 where Salatin wrote a blog post responding to a blog post by Chris Newman, who's another Virginia farmer and he owns Sylvanaqua Farms. Anyway, Newman critiques the small family farm model and describes an alternative vertically integrated system rooted in collective ownership. Salatin said in his article that Newman, who is black and Native American, was too early in his farming career to know whether he would be successful in the long term and that Newman would only, quote, push would-be team players away by complaining. In August 2020, Ag Daily described Salatin's blog post as racially inappropriate and criticized that he had described Native Americans as hostile to William Cody. After Salatin's remarks, Mother Earth News asked Newman to write for the publication for diversity in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Newman declined the invitation, raising concerns about Salatin's article. After public criticism of the publication's support for Salatin, Mother Earth News ultimately severed its relationship with Salatin. So basically, he got caught up in the whole, um, you know, like the, the George Floyd protest stuff, and his, his article got read as racially inappropriate. So he got kind of somewhat canceled from this Mother Earth News magazine. Seems like he's still going strong on his blogs and, and things like that. So, um, he's still definitely out there and, and working and, you know, working on all his techniques and publishing things and stuff like that. So let me just look up some of his books because I know there, he has about 15 books. Um, and that way you can just kind of get a, an idea of the kind of books he is writing. So, um, one of them, I'll just go through the list. Folks, this ain't normal. It's a chicken in a, standing next to a huge egg. Poultry profits, um, which, you know, you can, basically saying you can make money in six months on 20 acres. Gaining ground, you can farm, polyface micro, the independent farmstead, the sheer ecstasy, um, so thinking of, I'm going to definitely like rent some of these books or buy some of these books because I definitely want to see more about what he says about some of these things. Beyond Labels is another one of his books. And that was also written by the, the woman he has a podcast with, which the podcast is the same name, Beyond Labels. So go check out the books, go check out the podcast. Sounds like, at least from what I've heard, these farming practices are really much better for the animals, much better for the land could be really good for job growth and creating jobs and stuff like that. And so I'm, I mean, I know I probably only touched a little bit on the controversy and stuff like that, but from most of what he said, I seemed to agree with, it seemed like great ideas. 
So I'm excited to learn more about him, but that is the overview of Joel Salatin. Again, if you have listened to any of his stuff, read any of his books, let me know what you think because I'm fascinated. So you can either DM me on Instagram at a millennial learns or leave it in the poll on Spotify. So that is all for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening and I hope to see you next week. Make sure to like and subscribe and follow and rate review the podcast. Give it five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. I'll see you next week. Bye everyone.